Blessed be the name of the Lord. So, Father, now as we turn to your word, your word is alive. It was spirit-breathed to those prophets and those apostles of old who received it and proclaimed it. And so now we ask the word that is written on this, these pages, in whatever translation that you've ordained for us to read from, copies of the Bible, may that word become alive in our hearts and minds. May the spirit of the living God, the Ruach HaKodesh, give us the proper application so that we can do what is honoring to God the Father through his son Yeshua, by the enabling power and the presence of the Ruach HaKodesh, the spirit of the living God, we ask and pray. Amen. So today's message is part two of Acts of Yeshua's emissaries, the Shelachim, in chapter one, excuse me, chapter 21, verse one. Let us begin. After we had torn ourselves away from the Ephesian elders, Notice that word. They had to literally say, hey guys, we got to go now. Rav Shaul and the, those that were accompanying said, hey, we have to go on our journey because we're going to Jerusalem to celebrate Shavuot. And this is what the Lord desires for us to do. And so there was a breaking away because Rav Shaul, the apostle Paul, was a spiritual father to these Ephesian elders. They loved him dearly because they knew this, that if he did not sacrifice by leaving the land of Israel and going to area which is now present-day Turkey and proclaim the good news to the Jew first and to the nations, that they would not have eternal life. They would not have peace with God. And not only this, but Rav Shaul was passing the baton unto them and saying this to them, you are now going to take my place in these Messianic communities to build up God's holy assembly. It's now you to arise and for me to diminish that the hope that is in you who represents Yeshua the Messiah by the empower and equipping of the Ruach HaKodesh will be manifested in your daily lives because now, and I know it doesn't say this in the text, but now you are to be the spiritual fathers. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's go back to the scripture. After they had torn, we had torn ourselves away from the Ephesian elders, we set sail and made a straight run to Cus. Now, if you look on your maps there, on your Bibles, you'll notice that in some, most of them, they'll have it in the area close by the Aegean Sea in present-day Turkey. Next, we went to Rhodes, and from there to Partara. And on finding a ship that was crossing over to Phoenicia, we embarked and set sail. And after sighting Cyprus, most of us can find the island of Cyprus on our maps, we passed on to the left and sailed on to Syria. And we landed at Zor, because that was where the ship was unloading its cargo. Having secured, having, having searched out the Talmudim, that is the disciples there, we remained there for a whole week, guided by the Spirit, guided by the Ruach. They told Shaul not to go up to Jerusalem. But when the week was over, we left to continue our journey. 
all of them, with their wives and their children, accompanied us until we came outside the town. Kneeling on a bench and praying, we said goodbye to each other. Then we boarded the ship, and they returned home. Have you ever been to a family reunion where you've had some relatives that maybe you've never seen before, you haven't seen for many, many years? You don't even know they're even coming. And all of a sudden, they show up. There are introductions of who is, is married to who, and there'll be other young men and women there that are engaged, and there may be some brand new babies that are, that are part of the family. And so this is kind of the, the backdrop which is happening here. But these are spiritual brothers and sisters who have biological children. And who are they showing here but Rav Shaul and showing about the relationships that he built? See, it wasn't about building these mega congregations and having him be on, at that time there was no television. But think of Rav Shaul today. If he was out and building God's kingdom today, and if they had the capability at that time of television and Zoom and all this other stuff, the book of Acts would be recording his ministry totally different. But you notice that he spent a week with them? He was invested in their lives. He was willing to sacrifice himself for their betterment. See, he was called to build up God's people, to strengthen them. See, the ministry wasn't about Rav Shaul. It was about raising up that next generation of people, pouring the good news into them, recognizing the gifts that God had given them, stirring up their gifts by the Spirit of the living God, and for these individuals learning to trust that they're called by God, they knew God's will and calling upon their lives, and how it simply fit together as a woven tapestry. See, because ministry is not only to be on one or two people. It's the body of Messiah. And that body of Messiah is not only in America, but throughout the known world at this time. There are Messianic communities, congregations are being birthed every day throughout this known world. And there are parts of the country, like in Iran, there's underground communities who are recognizing Yeshua as the promised Messiah. In the midst of all the havoc that's going on, God's word is going forth, and his kingdom is being established in the hearts and minds of people's hearts. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's continue here. In verse 7, when the voyage from Zoor was over, we arrived at Polymius. There we were greeted, we greeted the brothers and stayed with them overnight. See, it's not about, hey, let's go see this believer superstar. No, they're just rubbing shoulders with common, ordinary people, brothers and sisters in Messiah. Let's go forward here. Verse 8. The following day we left and came to Caesarea, where we stayed, where we went to the home of Philip, the proclaimer of the good news, one of the seven, and we stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters with the gift of prophecy. When I first read this scripture as a young Jewish believer in Messiah, 
I thought something about this. I thought, here are four unmarried daughters, but what's their focus in their life? It's not catching and obtaining a husband, but it was spending time in the presence of the Lord and being filled with the Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit of the living God, and he established in their hearts and gave them, what? The gift of prophecy to these four daughters. And that's how they blessed the kingdom, and that's how they bless their Messianic community going forward here. While we were staying there, a prophet named Agav came down from Yehuda, Judah, to visit us. He took Shaul's belt, and he tied his own hands and feet and said, here's what the Ruach HaKodesh says. The man who owns this belt, the Judeans in Jerusalem." will tie him up just like this and hand him over to the Gentiles. You see, along this journey, the Spirit of the living God was impressing upon Rav Shaul's heart that this was going to be his last missionary journey. See, God gives us confirmation. He speaks to us first. And how are we to discern whether a word from a brother or sister, or maybe they have a dream, about us, or God gives a vision that possibly we're part of that vision. God gives us confirmation, but he always speaks to us first. And so when we hear these words of confirmation that this is the will of the Lord, we're to to seek the spirit of the living God. We're to seek the scripture. And always remember this, we have a personal relationship with Abba, Father, God, Yeshua, his son, and the Ruach HaKodesh, a personal relationship. And with the three of those speaking to us, giving us our our calling and equipping us to walk in the gifts that God has given to us, not for ourselves, but for the equipping and the building up of the universal body of Messiah, If someone is given a gift of prophecy, it's not for them to to boast, well, look what the Lord's given me. And haven't I attained such and such? No, it is given for the lifting up and the building up of others. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So let us continue here in the scripture. Verse 12. And when he heard this, when we heard this, Both we and the people begged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Because there were many times, they they heard of the stories about the times that Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, was beaten with whips and rods. They heard of the time when there were unbelieving Jews that wanted to put him to death. And so they, they took him, the believers, and they lowered him down on a basket There were other times when he was led out of the city by unbelieving Jews, and he was literally stoned. And they thought, well, we've we've done this before. Surely he's dead. But from the pile of stones, he rose up. Notice this. He still had the scars on his body. He may have that time had a broken nose. You know, Scripture doesn't give us all those details. He suffered much for the kingdom. And you know what? When Yeshua sent 
Ananias to him, and he laid hands upon him with fear and trepidation because Rav Shaul was sent to do what? To capture those followers of the way. And he said to him, and he prophesied over him, he said that you will suffer, you will suffer much in the name of Yeshua. And so this was part of the legacy. Before Rav Shaul even began his ministry, he knew that this would be part of it. And he knew how to listen to the Spirit, the living God, when it was a time to go into the basket and to be lowered. But he knew at this time that, yes, these things are going to happen, but he was what? To be a spiritual father to them. Because he preached that there will be persecutions that will come that those who proclaim the good news shall face persecution just as Yeshua did. But do not fear, because God will not allow what comes upon you if he's not allowed a way of escape. And even death on this earth is a way of escape. Going forward here in verse number 13. But Shaul answered, what are you doing crying and trying to weaken my resolve? See, his resolve was to do what? To pour out his life as a drink offering. Just as Yeshua was willing to go to that, that tree, that execution stake, that cross, what did Yeshua say to his Talmudin? You are to what? Forsake your lives Pick up your what? Your execution stake, your tree, your cross, and follow him. Has anything changed? Absolutely not. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's continue now on verse 13. But Shaul answered, What are you doing, crying and trying to weaken my resolve? I'm prepared not only to be tied up, Remember the times when he was in prison? Flashback to the time that him and Barnabas were beaten, put in stocks, in the prison. And what was their attitude? To curse God and die? No, they began to sing praises and hymns. And what did the Lord do? He sent an earthquake that broke up that prison. Going forward, we to what offer a sacrifice of praise unto the Lord. Continuing here, verse 13. But Shaul answered, what are you doing, crying and trying to weaken my resolve? I am prepared not only to be tied up, but also even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Yeshua. Has he not given us life? Are we not willing to lay down our lives? so that others may see our legacy and our testimony, if the Lord requires, so that others can come and see that believing in Yeshua and his promises that are yes and amen, are willing, we are willing to lay down our lives as a holy and living sacrifice unto God, if called upon. Let's continue here. And when he would not, verse 14, and when he would not be convinced, we said, may the Lord's will be done. And we kept silent. 
Did you hear that? They, be, they kept silent. But they had the, word, the, the gift of prophecy and all these other things. Wasn't their task by the Spirit of the living God to convince him so he'd relent? No. They were able to discern when the Spirit of the living God was speaking through him and that the things he was confirming, the things that they were saying, but he's saying this as a spiritual father who's now ready to pass the baton to you. Because once I'm gone and off of the scene, you will be the spiritual fathers and mothers who need to arise. And if you face persecution to the point of your own death, follow my example as I follow Yeshua's example. Let's go forward here in verse 15. So at the end of our stay, we packed up and went on to Jerusalem, And with, with us went some of the Talmudim from Caesarea. Notice this. They don't want to let go. They appreciate this man's presence because you know what? He doesn't uh, boast about himself, but he allows the presence and the character of Messiah to be manifested in his life. And that's what they're drawn to. And that's what's growing within them. Because they're the legacy that will pass the baton on generations yet to be born. And if they did not do this, you and I would not be here today. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Continuing here. In verse 15. So at the end of our stay, we packed up and went up to Jerusalem. And with us went some of the Talmudim from Caesarea. They brought us to the home of the man with whom we were to stay. Nason from Cyprus, who had been a Talmudid, a disciple, since the early days. Think about when they came together. And not only did Rav Shaul have stories to tell, possibly Timothy and Luke, who was accompanying him, and all the others, they had things to share, how the Lord had manifest his power and glory through their lives, and that others were, came to trust in Messiah Yeshua. And think about this man who had been there from the early days and how he rejoiced in his household. I believe this, probably they burnt many, many gallons of olive oil in the wicks for the lamps as they heard story upon story upon story. And think of the young men and women that were there inspired of these great men and women of faith and trust in Yeshua. These spiritual mothers and fathers, they were hearing about these legacies. And what, what was it producing? Joy and hope. And they were inspired to also live their lives out in honoring to God the Father through the Son by the power of the Spirit of the living God. Verse 17. In Jerusalem, the brothers received us warmly. The next day, Shaul and the rest of us went to see Yaakov. And all the elders were present. And who is this Yaakov? But Yeshua's one of his younger brothers. Who, while Yeshua lived here on earth, did not believe that his brother was the Messiah. And truly believed that he was literally out of his mind. But the proof 
of his brother Yeshua, both dying and raising from the dead, was evidence to him that he was the promised Messiah. And so this is years later. And he's now the leader of the Jerusalem, the Jerusalem Messianic community. And so there, verse 17, And in Jerusalem the brothers received us warmly. The next day Shaul and the rest of us went to see Yaakov, and the elders were present. And after greeting them, Shaul described in detail each of the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his efforts. Now on hearing it, they praised God. But they also said to him, You see, brother, how many tens of thousands of believers there are among the Judeans, and they are all zealots for the Torah. We'll end this part two message right now. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Shabbat shalom.